RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode from our Facebook Live series entitled Closing the Distance. These are unscripted conversations with the pastors of RPC and various special guests reflecting on topics from our ongoing sermon series. If you're interested in learning more about this community of faith, visit roswellprez.org. Hello, my name is Lindsay Slocum, and I am one of the pastors here at Russell Presbyterian Church, and I am here with Jeff Myers, the senior pastor who preached an awesome sermon yesterday to kick off Advent for us as we start looking at living traditions. That was a, a great sermon yesterday, Jeff. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lindsay. It's great to see you. It was a real fun sermon to kind of think through and think about Advent wreaths and, and kind of how tradition functions just as a general kind of concept. And so that was really, uh, really fun, especially as reformed people, how we um, approach, change, how we adapt and innovate. And so I think hopefully people found it interesting. Well, I think that the, the, the premise behind the whole sermon series, I think, is such an important one, especially for Roswell Presbyterian Church. Right. We we have been around for 185 years almost. And so really kind of your opening question that you posed was, um about how we're gonna how can we keep traditions vital and life-giving and i think that that's a a really important question for a church that's been around as long as we are what does it look like to honor our traditions and our roots but continue to move forward so i I thought that was a really important question that you asked thank you and i think um you know in america we always we tend to have a presumption of the new is better than the old Mm. and i think um our culture and post-modernity is calling that premise into question. And I think, I think I see this a lot with young people, them searching out for tradition, searching Mm. for something that connects them to the past. Uh, And I think it was part of our tradition. How can we connect people to the past, but also prepare them to move into the future? Right. Mm. And that's, it's a a balancing act that hopefully um, we do successfully uh, more than we fail. Yeah. And you know, while you're saying that, I was thinking, I was kind of thinking, gosh, I wonder uh, about the attraction to be being drawn to that, which is of the past. But I, I do think that part of what's so important about it, and I know we talk about that, we talk about it around here a lot, is just that idea of those roots and, and knowing about, because we know it's in the past and we're kind of honoring the fact that we drink from a well we didn't dig, but this the kind of the roots that it gives you. And then with those roots firmly in place, then it it gives you more stability and sturdiness in order to continue to grow and to think about where you're going from here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, also too, you know, there's been a big movement too with some of the younger generations, younger church generations that are coming up that um, they're moving back into more even liturgical, um, worshiping environments just because of that, that liturgy and some of that, the, just, again, I guess that connection back to 
history and roots and, and knowing we're saying the same words that people have been saying for hundreds of years. Yeah. And I think there's some solidity to um, those ideas that we know that have stood the test of time for, you know, I think yeah. in faith, we have some of our deepest convictions for 2000 years, some of them even longer going back to the Hebrew Bible. And I think, you know, in this unsteadiness of life um, that we live right now, the unknown future, the anxiety that people have, we're yeah. looking for stuff that we can cling to um, that offers us kind of a safe place in the storm of life. And we see a lot of people retreating to, um, you know, what did, what did, uh, what was his name? Shoot. Anyway, like hate or, or stigmatizing um, people, racism, uh, all the isms that, you know, they look for those things to steady them. And as a Christian, obviously, we we don't do that. We look to Jesus Christ um, and offers us uh, a shelter in the storm, to quote Bob Dylan. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and kind of to your point from yesterday when you were talking about churches tending to have more people in them at Christmas and at Easter, I, I mean, this, that, this completely circles back to your point from then yesterday, that, that because of all of this, need for a, a sturdy place a steady place in the midst of the storm that that christmas and easter are telling us those stories over again it, yeah. remind me who was the person you were quoting yesterday about I quoted marilyn robinson yes from yeah. uh an interview i forget where i found the interview maybe the paris review or something but if people are interested uh, my favorite book of hers is gilead um it's a basically an, it, the form is really interesting it's epistolatory so it's a letters that um, Reverend John Ames is writing his young son. He's been diagnosed with a severe heart condition and he knows he doesn't have long to live. And so he begins, he's got a young son. So he begins writing these letters to his mm. son about all the stuff he would have told him about life if he was going to survive. But he knows he, he only has so much time and he wants to bestow this upon his son. And it's just beautiful um, and very uh, theological, but without like hitting you over the head with it. Uh, it's okay. just one of the Pulitzer Prize in the 2000s. And and then her book, she's her first book is called Housekeeping, which was um, kind of a creative book about two sisters living in Idaho. Uh, Maryland's actually from Idaho, Sandpoint, Idaho, about an hour from where I'm from, uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, that's cool. So that's fine. And she, after she came out with Housekeeping, she was, with some acclaim, she didn't write another work of fiction for about 20 some odd years. Um, and she did a PhD at the University of Washington, which makes me like her also. And <laughs> um, and then she has she just recently retired from uh, teaching at the Iowa Writers Workshop, which is the preeminent um, writing school in the country. So she's a pretty distinguished person. Yeah. Well, and I thought that the the quote that you referenced yesterday was fantastic, and um, certainly, of course, applies to what we're talking about. But I thought that was a really helpful way of looking at it and pulled it and kind of to the point that you made all the way at the beginning of your sermon about um, tradition versus traditionalism. And I felt like her quote kind of, it pulled that idea of people coming back to church that they're not coming for the sake of traditionalism, but, but for tradition, like to be rooted back again in that story and connecting back to the roots. I thought it just did a really beautiful job of making that point. Thank you. Yeah. I, I always love that quote. I try to throw it out, you know, on a, Christmas Eve or during Advent every couple of years till people forget it that I used it once and that I can use it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like 
you know, as, as, if you're in the religious business, I guess, you know, if you're like, if you're a pastor or preacher, you tend to think you've got to like have your new spin on Christmas or I've got a new uh, uh, thing to say about Easter. You know, I'm going to get really creative and think outside the box. And usually in my experience, you just end up like missing the point and you, mm. there's too much clutter around it and it's like too foggy. And you're like, what's the point here? Give me the mystery. Just tell me the story. And so that's one of the things I try to um, focus in on is let's focus in on the story because that's why people are here uh, to have a special encounter with the God behind this story. Um, but that's just my own opinion and a little bit from what I've learned from Maryland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it was very good. Um, I do want to ask, though, in this idea of living traditions, I want to ask about your own particular traditions and like things that you have that kind of help root you back in, into and center you into the season. Uh, so for Advent or? Um, yes. Um, no, I think Advent in particular. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we always go to the beach usually for, on Christmas Day. Um, uh, and actually, I write about this in my contribution to the Advent devotional here at RPC. I think it's the Christmas Day one. But I started this a number of years ago because my family usually heads to the beach and I meet, join up with them on Christmas Day since I've got to work Christmas Eve. So one year I, I, w- I went home. I pour myself a drink and I, I you know, I'm, t- I'm like exhausted, you know, but your mind is going so you can't go mm-hmm. to sleep. And so mm-hmm. I, I sat down on my couch, I turned on the television and I'm just kind of flipping through, you know, it's, it's pretty late. And I come across uh, the worship service at the Vatican at St. Peter's and in Rome. And for some reason, it just like it pulled me in. You know, I had my Christmas tree on. The lights were dark. You know, they're singing in Latin. And I just I don't know. I just found it like I, I was there. And then uh, so every year now I, I find out where it's going. And I uh, That night I, I listen and uh, kind of participate in a Roman Catholic worship service at the Vatican. That's very cool. And certainly ties, ties back to some roots, but that's, and you know what else too, Jeff, that's so good because a lot of times, like just now you were saying like you work on Christmas Eve. So that, so sometimes church as beautiful and wonderful as it, as it is for staff, especially on Christmas Eve, it came, there can be kind of a sense where you are in a business mode and so to carve out that space that's just for you and and yeah where you get to worship that's really cool yeah it's been it's it's kind of a random but fun um experience so and tradition (laughs) so yesterday we talked about the advent wreath and i um was thinking so one year i think it was the year that betsy was on maternity leave for christmas and so the children's choir my point is the children's choir concert for christmas is being managed by uh, an interim children's choir director and some volunteers. There's a lot of children everywhere. And at some point, someone start, there's like these two boys are, t- are tussling, probably one of them is a slocum if I had to guess. And um, and just the, the advent wreath, like you just see it swinging back and forth. <laughs> I was like, it's going down. So I jump up onto the chancel to hold it in place because I'm like, we're about to catch everything on fire. <laughs> that is hilarious. So there was a mom that told me a story about when her son, I think was in middle school, um, the the candelabra thing didn't was out. It, the, the flame went out in front of everybody. And everybody kind of panicked, like, what are we going to do? And he he pulls out a lighter out of his pocket, one of those Zippos and flicks it on. 
and lights it right there. And his <laughs> mom was mortified. And I guess Lane thought it was the funniest thing. <laughs> and just started dying. Everybody's laughing so hard because this kid just out of nowhere pulls out a lighter. <laughs> so that was awesome. so funny. I do Those always feel like the whole like open flame with the fake greenery, like maybe it's not our best plan, but I mean, so far, I guess it's worked for us. Like, oh, whatever. But <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know that the candles, they used to be purple and then we made them blue. Right. That's well, they used to be yesterday. white originally. White, sorry, used, right, right. They right. originally white. white, then violet or purple, and then now blue. Some still use the violet ones. Some churches. With that one pink one tossed in. Some churches have that one pink one tossed in. Yeah. Which I looked up so, one time. I, I think, I don't remember why it's pink. I forget. I, I didn't come across it in my research, so I didn't throw it in. But, but it just goes to show you that these, when we say a living tradition, you can have your own spin on a tradition. And there's nothing, just because if it speaks to you and it's helpful for you, well, then it works. And you're contributing by building the tradition mm -hmm. um, and just to not think it's wrong or something, but that it's, you're just, you're, you're helping build and pass the tradition on and keep it alive now. Okay. So as folks who are tuning in, they know uh, you and they know the RPC story. They know how long have you served here at Roswell press? I have been around for 18 years. I started in September and then I was ordained in January. So this coming January will be my 18th anniversary of ordination as well. And you have a big change coming up that you've recently announced, don't you? Oh, I do. I, do. I have accepted the call to be the lead pastor at Kairos Church, which is in Sandy Springs. Okay, so you've been here 18 years. Um, all of your ordained life pretty much has been at RPC, right? I mean, I've got a bunch of questions about Kairos. Is Kairos Presbyterian? Yes. Yes. So Kairos was started in, a, they met, started a meeting in this guy's living room. He started a Bible study for young adults and they wanted to think through what does it look like to maybe approach church in a different way and not approach it because that's how we've always done it, but really thinking through what is God calling, how is God calling them to be faithful um, and so those young adults got married and had kids. And so now they are this church and they are Presbyterian, but they, um, they made a, a decision, a conscious decision not to put that on the sign just because we are moving into an age when people aren't necessarily looking for a Presbyterian church so much as they're looking for a church that fits them the best. And, um, and so they made that decision right, wrong, or otherwise they made that decision. And, um, but it is Presbyterian and it's only about 15 minutes away from here. Um, there 20% of the congregation is, is children. They have a ton of, um, children and young families and lots of, lot of energy over there. So that, well, you've fun. got a lot of energy too. So now I mean, selfishly, we're really going to miss you. And I personally am going to, uh, really, really miss you because you did a lot of the stuff I don't like to do. So, uh, <laughs> so I both am going to miss you as a friend and uh, a coworker, but also selfishly. <laughs> what, um, when you think about this new transition to be a lead pastor, what are you excited about? And what are you maybe seeing more as a challenge, maybe even a little intimidating? Well, uh, I mean, kind of to go along with this whole conversation we've been having, one of the things I'm really excited about is 
they are at a point, you know, they've kind of been uh, in this entrepreneurial mindset because they're, they're new and they're growing and they're trying to figure out what does it look like to do church? And so now it's kind of time to think through, okay, who am I? Who are we as a church? Who do we want to be? How, what do we want to be known for? So, so kind of to what we're talking about, really establishing some roots and, um, and then at the same time thinking about what does it look like to have these roots, but still keep that creative entrepreneurial spirit. What does it look like to be in the world doing the work that God's called people to do? So I think that whole conversation sounds really fun. I think that Roswell Presbyterian has taught me in lots of really beautiful ways, what it looks like to honor tradition, to honor the, the roots, but at the same time, be really thoughtful about where we're being called to. You know, I've been through four or five different strategic planning times here at Roswell Prez. And so as far as the process, like, I think I got it. Um, and so I'm excited to get to do that with a, a group of people that, that, they, that they have a ton of energy and they're looking to figure out. And I think that I have learned so many amazing things here about what it looks like to be church in a really faithful way. And so I'll get to share some of that with Kairos as well. So I'm very excited about that. Um, certainly the fear and trepidation comes in, you know, I, not only have I done my whole entire ordained life at Roswell Presbyterian church, but I was a young newlywed when I started Didn't have any kids. I've done almost my entire adult life here at Roswell Presbyterian. When you think of, when I think of a significant moment in my life, almost all of them, I, like my wedding aside, almost all of them have happened with this community. Um, and this, this has been my family and my place and my people for a long time. And so, you know, now I'm going to walk in to a place where people don't know me, like the people here know me. I don't know them. Like I know the people here. And so I'm excited about new relationships, but, um, you know, we just don't have, we'll have the same like depth and history together. And, um, that's a little bit, it makes, it obviously makes me a little bit sad, but also like, it makes me a little bit nervous. Cause I, you know, when I misstep here, there's a lot of grace because we know each other, we love each other. Like, I don't, I don't know if I'll get that same kind of grace in a new place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you will. And, and you rarely make missteps, but um, yeah, I think as someone who left a congregation to come to RPC, where I'd serve a significant amount of time. um, Yeah. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird feeling to be excited to go to someplace that you you've consciously made a decision to go but you're not angry or you're not like you're really going to miss those people it's just a weird like complex like contradiction in your heart and yes. dealing with that is just a weird experience i feel for you well we scott and i feel very very confident that god is in this and that god is very much calling us to this new place um which of course leads us then with that intense joy and the intense grief all at the same time. But we also are aware of what a gift it is that it hurts so much to leave, that there are a lot of people that when they transition, the, the, they're like, bye, like they're ready to go. And um, that isn't our story. And we know that's a gift and a blessing. And, and we're deeply, deeply grateful for that as well. So as you kind of transition out uh, off the staff and look to Kairos, what are some of the things you're doing to kind of end well? Um, I bought an elf on the shelf for the office. <laughs> and you so, can take him with you. No, 
first of all, she's a she. And um, second of all, I, I know this is my legacy is the elf on the shelf for the office. Oh, <laughs> um, and I am trying, I'm saying yes to every invitation I, I'm getting. And so I have, I'm so excited. I have like this calendar full of lunches and coffees and Sunday school parties and Christmas um, get togethers that I get to do. So I, I'm hoping to get time with as many people as possible. Um, and obviously you and I are working together on some getting, you know, transition stuff set up because you'll take on a big chunk of some of the things that I've been doing. And so um, passing those along to you and other people on the staff that are going to pick those up. So um, yeah, just trying to take advantage of the time and also trying to just really like take it in and uh and really kind of sit in this space I, I was telling Scott Weimer this morning like sometimes I start reading the emails or the notes or whatever and I'm so overwhelmed like I like I'm just so sad and so grateful and glad and that I've, I have these amazing relationships and so I have to like put them down and take a break because it's just like I'm so overwhelmed but at the same time like i I want to allow myself the space to sit in that and, and, and cherish, you know, these beautiful relationships that I have. And that I, I, again, I, like I said, I, I know it's a gift that, that it hurts so much. And so like, I, I want to make sure I'm being really intentional about this time and, and savoring kind of this sweet space of getting to still be here and interact with everybody and have lunch with them. And, so it's a funny little, it's a funny little walk, but, um, just so I, I just can't overuse the word grateful here and, um, for this community and for this place. And, and well, if folks don't know on December 17th, after the 11 o'clock service in Alderman hall, we'll be having a luncheon to celebrate your ministry and cheer you on as you make this transition. I want people to know that also on Christmas Eve. You will be preaching the two morning services as well as the 11 p.m. service. So if people want to get their last Christmas Eve uh, Lindsay memories in, this would be a great time to do it. Now, I know some people are going to ask, you know, Sandy Springs is not far away. Are people invited to come check you out at Kairos? Absolutely. Anytime. Come visit. Uh, I understand your church home is Roswell. I'm not recruiting, um, but I am always grateful for visits and I would love to see familiar face in the congregation every once in a while. So please, please, please. I have had a couple people ask about my installation that hasn't been scheduled yet. I am certainly happy to pass along um, when that date is scheduled. So if anybody is interested, but and that's uh, always an exciting worship service. Um, to be a part of in a pastor's life and a congregation's life as they're going to call you. And I think that is, um, we really look forward to, to being there and cheering you on. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have a different relationship with you than many of the congregation members who have been around here for 18 years. And it's been really fun. They've said, I remember when Lindsay, man, she was just like a little girl, <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, she didn't know what she was doing and she just, she was so green and, and, and they loved you, but it was just, to see how much you've grown and the gifts you've developed over 18 years is really a beautiful thing. And not many people, um, churches get that experience to walk alongside somebody for, for so long and see, see them come so far. And I think it's a great, um, it's a great credit to, to Lane, to his legacy, to RPC about what you have done and this new call you're taking as you're going to lead and pastor, uh, the Kairos congregation. So we're super excited for you, Lindsay. Although, 
we were very bummed for ourselves. <laughs> well, I feel the same. I feel the same. I, you're right. I mean, yeah, I could go on and on about the the impact that people have had on me here. And, and again, I know that's part of what makes this so hard and so sad because just my life has been changed because of the impact that, that certainly Lane, but gosh, much more than just Lane, there's 2,500 people that I can talk about their impact on me and, um, and molding me and shaping me and, and not just, and I don't mean that just as a pastor, right. But like as a wife, as a mom, as a friend. And, um, and so I just, as a preacher, as a pastor, all the things I just have, I'm overwhelmed with just how incredibly wonderful everybody has been too. So, and I, I mean, you know, I don't, I want to make sure and say publicly. So we'll say it here and then I can say it again later too. But I have I have been so incredibly grateful, Jeff, for this opportunity to work with you. Here's some more tears that I did so good this whole time. I didn't cry at all. No, you've been really you've been <laughs> strong. Yeah, but then you you started talking about um our relationship. And I know that people know because you and I work together on a lot of things, but you know, we kind of journeyed together through a lot of things, like when when you started, it was kind of like, okay, here's the new guy. Like, how's this going to work? Is this going to be, is this still a good place for me to serve or not? And um, it has just been such a beautiful, I felt like it was been such a beautiful partnership. Like you just had, you were so um, generous with me and gracious and, and invited me in to do ministry alongside of you in really um, powerful ways. And so I'm grateful for you and your friendship and, um, I think we talked about this before, but like, you know, during quarantine, we had these daily calls and, um, and I think that that's just kind of a picture of just kind of how, how gracious you have been to me and inviting me to serve alongside of you. And, you know, if we go a couple of days without talking, you always call and you're like, we need to check in and we need to talk. And even if we're just, <laughs> um, you're going to bring up so much time in your life. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. It's it's just, it's been a really important relationship for me, certainly professionally when it came to ministry, but also personally, I'm really grateful for you and, um, and for this opportunity that we had to, to be together. So anyway, I just want to make sure we say that. It's very sweet of you to say, and I would second everything you just said, and it's, I've learned a ton. I feel like we've both grown so much kind of as you know, as we partner together, kind of like neither of us really knowing what we're doing <laughs> and having to figure it out and, and just being there to support each other um, and encourage each other and pray and and just try to pastor and lead the best way we can. Um, and I hopefully now that you're making this transition, you were paying attention to all the mistakes I made over the last seven years. So now you don't have to do those. You can do it the right way. No, I've told you before too. I, I still remember your first sermon at Roswell Presbyterian Church and it ha it was so brilliant and you paid so much attention to the culture around here and the history and the legacy around here. And so I, trust me, I took lots of notes, but uh, not on mistakes. Like I, there's so many things that you just continue to do really well. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Well, thanks, Lindsay. And um, what's I going to tell you? Uh Oh, uh, threw you off because I, I was being so nice to you. I know you really. <laughs> I'm not used to that. Um, uh, so, could I get your verbal commitment that maybe after some time's gone by, you'll come back on closing the distance? Because I know people would really love to hear how your journey's going at Kairos, and um, we're going to be praying for you. And so, it'd be good just to kind of check in. Um, you'll always be a part of the RPC family. I, I would be honored. That'd be fantastic. 
Well, Lindsay, this has been really fun. Um, you know, I kind of hate to end it on kind of a down note, but. I know. <laughs> I my mom's know. texting me, so I got to. <laughs> <laughs> no, we still have a few more weeks together. And uh, like you said, Christmas Eve. And just so you know, Christmas Eve, there's the morning is different from the night. So we'll, we'll have lots of sermons for me to say goodbye in. So we'll. We'll preach yeah. about gifts in the morning and uh, signs from God at night. So, I think I think people should probably bring their own Kleenex because we may run out. I, I I need like a whole stock myself. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be able to get through it. Well, there are tears <laughs> of sadness, but also tears of joy. And, for sure. Um, we thank you for your ministry among us, Lindsay, and let's uh, finish the last few weeks out strong. Yes, we'll keep working with that elf. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care. I'll see you soon. All right. Thanks.